When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What up, everybody? We are back with another episode of Dice It Up, and we are so blessed to be joined by the amazing Ben Golliver. Uh, you've seen his work probably in the Washington Post, covers a lot of NBA, but wrote one of the most amazing pieces on Caitlin Clark this last spring ahead of the Women's NCAA Tournament, and we remember her taking America and I guess the world by storm. Uh, ben, what's up? Welcome to the show. You know, it's one of my passion projects, I would say. So I had a great time writing that story and getting to meet her and see everybody in Iowa. And then just to watch what happened in March, I'm sure it got you guys excited, like what the next 10 years, 15 years of women's hoops is going to be. So uh, great to be here. Yeah, for sure. And so you you grew up in the Portland area, Pacific Northwest, uh, super strong basketball ties. Uh, went to John Hopkins, I think. Is that right? Yes, sir. Okay. You did your research. Yeah, yeah, coast to coast. I mean, uh, I know my my brother's been a longtime big fan, big listener of your podcast, uh, and so I know a lot of people uh, definitely tune into Ben's podcast. What is that again? Uh, the greatest of all talk. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty. I mean, could be Caitlin Clark. Who knows? Um, <laughs> you did write Bubble Ball, which is such a cool concept. Um, I was like, oh my god, like perfect gift for Christmas. I already, already got a couple copies from my brother and my father. So thank you for taking care of that stress around Christmas time. Really appreciate it. <laughs> uh, but what was the process of writing that like? 
Well, I got thrown into the bubble and had to have something to show for it. You know, I mean, I think obviously the pandemic hit in 2020 and basketball junkies like us were looking around saying we got no sports to watch. We got nothing to write about. How many times can we watch The Last Dance over and over again before we start looking for something else? Right. And we got lucky because the NBA was really the first professional sports league to really pull its stuff together. And I was in the bubble for 93 days down there at Disney World. And I was writing sort of first person, almost like diary type entries for the Washington Post, just trying to describe what it was like. You know, we couldn't drive cars. We couldn't even walk hardly outside of the boundaries of our little campus. Everything had to be, you know, testing every single day, masks everywhere. I mean, it was really regimented, as I'm sure you guys know. And a couple of those diary entries, I think, just found their ways to agents and, and publishers and editors and people saying, hey, wait a minute, we should probably have this as like a time capsule of this really weird time. I mean, imagine telling your grandkids, you know, the, the Lakers won an NBA title at Disney World. They'd say, what? You know, it makes no sense, right? It's the most unique one. So, um, you know, to me, it was validating to kind of remember a chapter of my life, but also to capture a time of NBA history. I love that. I, I do. I do want to know getting into like, we know the WNBA had their wobble, I guess, but uh, we saw you at WNBA All-Star. Uh, was that your first time uh, outside of women's national, uh, the women's national tournament covering uh, the WNBA? It wasn't my first time, but it was one of the first times. I got to do a playoff series a few years ago between the Aces and the Mystics. It was yeah. like, uh, you know, Liz Cambridge versus Elena Deladon was kind of the showdown. And the Mystics wound up winning that series, if I remember correctly. Um, but I just kind of popped in for that. And it was so great because Liz Cambridge, I mean, you know, people probably love her, they hate her, but her personality is just so dynamic, so big. And interviewing her, I was just like, oh, this is hilarious. And, and the players are so nice and thoughtful and they don't hate the media, you know, like a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of professional athletes do. It, it, it was, you know, it was just engrossing time. But, you know, the NBA keeps me really busy. So there hasn't been that many opportunities to uh, cover the W. And we have great W writers like Kareem Copeland's just incredible, right? Yeah. So yeah. last thing they needed me to, to do is tag along, uh, you know, and step on his feet, right? But it just worked out perfectly that they moved the All-Star Weekend right into Summer League, which is uh, in the same time period when I'm always in Las Vegas for the Summer League. And so I figured, why not, you know, just to kind of a double header, go see the WNBA All-Star Weekend. And then I, I saw the three-point contest as well. So I got to see Sabrina just go absolutely nuts and then come back and, and watch the rest of the men's action too. So um, I, I don't think they're doing the, the All-Star Weekend in Vegas next summer. And I was a little disappointed by that. You know, I was like, oh man, maybe they should have because uh, I think there's great crossover. I mean, you see it from the NBA guys who show up at the All-Star Weekend. You see it from some of the celebrities who come and maybe like, you know, hang out and do both. I think it's great exposure for the W and I had a, just an amazing time. I mean, the, the game was fun. I think obviously the highlight though was the three-point contest. Oh yeah. yeah. With Did all the players a... there, I had to bet the over on the game for sure. I realized that <laughs> way after the fact. Uh, but I, I used to love Phoenix, so your pump probably is there. I do. I did like Phoenix. I went to Phoenix for 24 hours and left and was like, I think I have to go back and live there for 10 years. Like, it just had such a great vibe. Um, but I, I want to talk more about just WNBA. Like, did you have any really cool experiences with just, you know, talking to players or coaches? Or was there one kind of moment where you were like, man, like, I really wish I was more dug in with this league and the women that are in the league. And like, you spoke so highly of them already because they're great with the media because they know they have to be. Uh, so I just want to hear about one of your kind of really cool experiences. 
Well, first, let me just say, uh, you know, for Phoenix, it's awesome that their owner is stepping up and wanting to be invested, right? Like he's the guy who buys in and spends all this money on the Phoenix Suns. Sometimes owners come in and they're not like completely, you know, bought into the WNBA. So to have an owner sort of like Josiah in Brooklyn, who's like embraced both franchises, that's the way to do it. I think to me, that's really the path towards you know, the WNBA players getting everything they want. You know, if, if you want to have charter flights, the easiest way to do that is to have a boss who's like, sure, we want to get you charter flights. And, you know, if you get more owners like that, it's just better for everybody. So I didn't mean to shade Phoenix in any way. I just, for my own personal convenience, I wanted it in Las Vegas. Uh, in terms of uh, talking to WNBA players, you know, I did a, a story on Shanae Gumake a couple years ago. It was during the pandemic and, and she was kind of juggling both uh, her Sparks duties and her ESPN duties. And she had really ramped up at that time at ESPN where she was getting a lot more airtime. And so she actually invited me over to her uh, her home in Los Angeles. And we just, we got kind of hung out probably for like 90 minutes and two hours. And I got to say, for me, it was just so nice to even have like social interaction at that time. Uh, like <laughs> almost like feeling like you're meeting a friend because it was it was like in the middle of the pandemic when things were really just starting to kind of open up. But to meet somebody who, like her boss at ESPN said, could be a senator, could be a president, you know, to meet someone who's like, you know, breaking down like Nigerian oil exports to me. I'm like, we were talking about basketball five minutes ago. What happened here? You know, but she just has such range of intelligence. Um, I think that was probably the, the most, you know, kind of the standout, most memorable uh, interview, I guess, with the, with the WNBA. But I would say the same thing with Caitlin Clark. You know, sometimes you meet younger athletes and they're not fully formed humans you meet younger people they're not fully formed humans you know and, and a lot of college kids are finding themselves i mean i know i was a moron in college i had no idea who i was just uh, this like kind of listless and trying to find my path and, and really didn't uh know what direction i was going and you know someone like caitlin you know in her early 20s to kind of already understand she's the face of a program she's the face of a state she has all this pressure and she she takes it on she has all these uh, corporate partners whether it's nike or the local uh you know grocery store chains and everybody's you know in a certain way looking for her to mess up right like that's kind of the nature mm -hmm. of fame everybody wants you to mess up everybody makes a huge deal of the you can't see me thing right it just becomes this like controversy and for her, it's the poise, you know, it's incredible. And I know she's worked on it a lot, especially trying to keep her temper under control when she's, uh, you know, talking to the referees or, or maybe talking to trash to some of her opponents. But I've been just blown away by the maturity and the thoughtfulness of the, the women's athletes, basketball players I've been able to uh, to interview. And that goes back to Liz Cabbage, too. I mean, in her own way, and I know she got all sorts of off-court stuff going on, uh, unbelievable charisma from her and, you know, uh, maybe a little bit of sass. And um, I would say a fearlessness to express her mind. And as a writer, that's always what you want. You don't want the players who are sticking to the cliches, who are afraid to put themselves out there and who aren't comfortable in their own skin. And I think that's the line I would draw from Liz Cambridge to Elena Deladon to uh, Shanae Gumake to Caitlin Clark to uh, Asia Wilson during All-Star Weekend when she's dancing with the mop trying to get the basketball <laughs> off, the, uh, off the hoop. All these women are incredibly comfortable in their own skin and really, really yeah. smart and thoughtful people. I, one of my things I love about Liz Cambage is that she's a DJ. And so, yeah. like, when I found out that she worked as a DJ, like, full-time, and she's, like, the orchestra and the maestro for parties, I'm like, no wonder this is her personality because it fits that of a DJ. Like, she's the life of the party. She's, you know, takes charge of, like, making sure everyone's having a good time. Um, so I love that you mentioned that because I think despite the things that we've heard about her in the media, she does have amazing charisma.
um, for sure. But you mentioned Caitlin Clark, and we really want to get into that. Um, Dano raved about your piece on Caitlin Clark. Obviously, a lot of people raved about it as it went viral. But I want to ask you from a journalist background and perspective, before we get into the actual piece, what was that process like just pitching that, coming up with the idea, thinking it through and saying, you really see the vision for you have to highlight this player. The world needs her badly. The basketball world needs her badly. And your process in pitching that um, to the tournament. Well, it was um, an unusual situation because I sort of came up with it, it, the idea in early December. So it was about a, a month or so into the NBA season. And I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. Like, I was just sick of watching Russell Westbrook on the Lakers. Like, it wasn't working. I live here in Los Angeles. I'm going to every single game. And as a writer, you just sometimes know what's broken, right? Like, the team's not going to mm -hmm. work. Like, and it's just a wait and to see, okay, when's he going to get traded? When's he going to leave? And I was just getting frustrated. And as like, I know basketball is this beautiful sport. And right now, these Lakers aren't playing beautiful basketball, right? So um, I had a wandering eye, you know? I was looking for the grass to be greener somewhere else. And I actually give a lot of credit to the NBA players. Because like I said, I'm, I'm pretty ingrained in this NBA community in terms of my focus. And I was seeing guys like Kevin Durant and, you know, just right down the list of these NBA guys watching Caitlin Clark's games and saying, is everybody seeing what she's doing and giving her credit on social media? And so my initial thought for the story was I was going to do it as your favorite NBA players, favorite women's player. And I was going to go and maybe like interview her quickly and then just get a whole bunch of different NBA players to talk about why she's so good. Of course, I had no idea how amazing she was going to play in the NCAA tournament coming up. This was just sort of like uh an opportunity to show a lot of NBA guys really appreciate the women's game and especially her in particular. And I think it's an, an interesting dynamic because a lot of her biggest fans are, are black male players, right? And, and here she is kind of the quote unquote girl next door from West Des Moines. And it's just, you don't always think that that's how it would play out. It's not your, your, your first thought. So um, I pitched the idea to uh, my NBA editor and, you know, we were going over her stats and I was, look, man, she, she's the woman, Steph Curry. That's what everybody calls her. Like, yeah, she just she can't miss. She shoots from 35 feet. How is she doing this? This is crazy. Right. And so it actually wasn't that difficult of a pitch. He was on. He was in. And um, we don't have a huge number of people covering college sports at the post. So it was a lucky situation where I was able to say, OK, I'm just going to do this and maybe take a week to go to Iowa. And, you know, it's not going to step on anybody's toes. So the pitch process was straightforward. I just say, look, you know, she's getting all this buzz. Let's do it. But when I got to Iowa and I, I got to interact with their um, their sports information department, First of all, I was blown away by the access they gave me. They let me go to practice multiple days. They let me sit down and talk to her for an hour and a half. And let me tell you this, Caitlin Clark showed up before I showed up and showed up before the photographer showed up by herself, no entourage in a Nike tech fleece suit, ready to talk basketball for an hour and a half. If that doesn't tell you something about her character and who she is as a person, I, I don't know what else does. I mean, to me, punctuality and professionalism mm -hmm. is so important. And she didn't need to be told to do that. That's just who she is. She's probably already in the gym since 5 a.m., you know? <laughs> so uh, that, that's just, it was my first impression. She made a great first impression. But um, as I was there and really getting a look at not only, you know, Caitlin, the, the skill player in terms of, you know, shooting and passing the ball and, and her fiery competitiveness, but getting a sense for the camaraderie of that team there was something kind of developing in my mind, like there's something special about this group. I, I don't I don't know women's college basketball well enough to make a prediction that they're going to go to the final four. They're going to make some deep run. 
But I was like, this is going to be a tough out. I would not want to have to play these, uh, this team at all at any point in the Big Ten, which is a great conference for women's basketball, mm-hmm. or the tournament. And so, um, you know, after speaking with her, I was blown away. She was so good. And I got a chance to have dinner with her parents. And, um, you know, they were funny. They were kind of like grilling me a little bit. They're like, what'd you think of Caitlin? And I was like, look, don't get me started, okay? We're going to be here all <laughs> night. We're going to have to have like three rounds of dessert if you if you want me to keep talking about uh, how excited I, are, I am for her future. Uh, but uh, it was a, a unique situation where uh, she hadn't quite fully blown up yet. Uh, she really, really, I think, was focused on a deep Final Four run and getting the validation of being the best in her sport. And, and she wound up winning the Naismith Award this year, but she hadn't won it the year before. And I, I think that was something that was important to her family as well. They wanted her to feel like she was number one because she really hadn't been the number one ranked high school recruit. She was always looking up at Paige Beckers and these other players, right? So um, it was just a, a perfect timing in terms of uh, going out to see her uh, the team caught fire, you know, lightning in a bottle, and you know, down the stretch after I visited them, and I just think she is such a compelling person. Um, mm-hmm. Then that's sort of how the story came out. So once we were done with it, uh, there was no extra pitching that needed to be done. You know, it was like, look, I've got some gold here. Just give me like a month to pull it together. And then the big question was, how long do we hold it? And we ultimately held the story all the way until uh, March because we figured, you know, this is when everybody's going to be tuning in. All the casual fans are going to want to get to meet her. And, and hopefully my story kind of helped introduce her to those people. I'm 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 kind of blown away at, at hearing about just her as a person and and the intangibles that you spoke about. Uh, I was in I was in Napa this weekend with uh, my wife's family. It's it's our it's her dad's uh, 60th birthday, and he was he brought up the fact that like the entire El Salvadorian family that was in town watching the Final Four just could not stop chanting Caitlin Clark, Famo uh, <laughs> Caitlin Clark, and I'm just like wow. I got people texting me from that I haven't heard from in years being like, you're at that game. You saw Caitlin Clark play live. It's like, yeah. Uh, I mean, just the amount of eyes that she got on the game, kind of like you spoke about with, with NBA players, but just, and, and casuals. But I think it's a perfect time for, for women's basketball in general, but with the WNBA on the brink of expansion, on the brink of a new TV deal. I mean, Caitlin Clark could literally change a city economy and change the WNBA's like funding for a long time with the, I I don't remember a player in recent years having this many eyes on her going into Mm -hmm. a women's professional sport league uh, across any sport. Um, I mean, do you see it that way? I think think the word's transformational, right? That's what her potential, right? Right, Ice? Yeah, I was going to say the closest in the women's basketball realm was Sabrina Ionescu. You know, it was like uh, the, all the Ducks fans, Ducks fan base, and she had the Kobe connection. So we were kind of locked in for that reason. But this doesn't really compare to the Caitlin Clark that we're expecting in the W. I think that's the only one I can even think of remotely. But I'm like, mm, we were kind of like on our edge waiting for this player to play professional basketball. Well, so here was my experience. And, you know, the Iowa uh, PR guy, Bailey, I love this guy. He's such a nice guy and he's so invested in the program. He was like, you got to see her play in Iowa. And the way the schedule lined up, I actually wasn't able to watch her play at Carver. I got to see her play a road game at Michigan. And I'm a big Michigan football fan. You can see it, you know, in the the bookshelf (laughs) behind. So I know what it gets like in Michigan. You know, I know a little something about uh, Michigan athletics. 
And going to that game, first of all, they typically kind of rope off the top of that uh, Michigan Chrysler Arena for women's games. Um, all that was taken off. You know, it's like every seat is available. You have fans lined up for more than an hour before the game. You've got uh, young girls with Caitlin shoot it from half court, shoot it from the logo signs. Um, you have a whole line of young girls trying to get her autograph and her sneakers after the game. And, uh, you know, it was just that was my first little taste of it. And then, you know, Iowa says, well, look, we've sold out every single game and we sold out our season tickets in a matter of like hours or something like that for this upcoming season. They've never seen anything like it, you know, 15,000 plus people at every single one of these games there. And fame is very interesting. And I'm, I love, you know, being around NBA guys, you think about fame a lot. And there's people who are famous, like walking down the street famous, right? There's people who are TikTok famous or Instagram famous, where they have a lot of, of followers. There's people who are kind of television famous. In other words, if they're on TV, you're likely to tune in, right? And Caitlin is a rare athlete where she's kind of everything, right? Like she's huge on Twitter. I'm sure your, your, your entire timeline was going crazy during that South Carolina win. If just people just be like, Caitlin, Caitlin's the GOAT, da 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 da, da for like two hours straight, right? You know, she's pretty famous on campus, you know, when, you know, she's walking around like everybody knows her, right? She's like probably one of the most famous people in Iowa right now. She's got Billie Jean King, the tennis legend, who is like a Caitlin Clark stan. You know, she's like tweets about Caitlin Clark as often as you guys probably do. And then when it came to television, the ratings were insane. I mean, I think it was like 10 times more than the WNBA All-Star Game. I don't want to compare in any sort of a negative way, but it's just the scope of Caitlin yeah. Clark playing at the highest level, playing against this great uh, you know, South Carolina team and a great LSU team in the final. It just captured the country's imagination. And, and you see even like Fox, how they're lining up their TV schedule next year. It's just going to be Iowa versus whoever. Every single game is going to be Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark, Caitlin Clark over and over again. And that kind of fame is hard, especially in the modern world where people are, are all on different apps. Everybody's doing different streaming things. People don't come together to watch very many athletic events other than like the Super Bowl and the World Cup, right? Um, for everybody to tune into those final four games, that was an event. And it was funny at the start of the tournament, it, it, you sounded real smart if you were like, oh, the women's tournament's more interesting than the men's tournament this year. By the end of the tournament, it's like, duh, everybody knows that. Like that's already been settled. Like it's not even close, you know? I mean, Connecticut won in the men, they were great. They had a nice team, a bunch of NBA caliber players, but nobody's like appointment viewing, trying to tune into them like they were with Caitlin. And that's the exciting part because all those eyeballs translate to dollars and, and women's sports always, it comes back to the money. That's, you know, what WNBA commissioner uh, was saying at all-star weekend is, Oh, we just got to get more sponsors. We've got to get more investment. You know, that's how we're going to grow. That's why we're thinking about expansion. That's how we're going to improve the travel for the players and all that stuff. And, you know, Caitlin Clark could be the engine that really helps a lot of those things go along. And I don't want it just to be her. You know, I mean, Angel yeah. Reese is doing her own thing and just killing it. I mean, she's been, I swear, she's on a new magazine cover like every three days right now. I mean, she's done a, a, a great job with her own personal branding. And uh, I think Cameron Brink, who happens to be from my hometown of Beaverton, Oregon at Stanford, I think she's a really interesting prospect as well. People love uh, Haley Von Lith. Like there's a, a good crop of younger players, but there is something different about that Caitlin Clark factor. And it's the same thing that NBA guys like me were saying in 2015 about Steph Curry. If you have, uh, you know, somebody who's not winning with size and strength, who is winning as like kind of the underdog or as like you could imagine it being your best buddy when you were a kid, 
and and they're just doing it on pure technique and skill and shooting the ball from 30 feet. It just never gets boring, right? And watching somebody hit a shot from almost half court, it's so magnetic. And that's what she's brought to women's basketball. I mean, it's yeah. that. she's never get... afraid of the moment. She's just, I mean, the pressure of what she had to do for that team, if you think about the all the scoring, all the assists, like just running a program to beat the number one defense, maybe uh, it was a top 10 defense of all time in South Carolina. Uh, and they had it, no chance. She shredded yeah, them. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. is going to the rib every time. I, I mean, think we should give her guard. enough credit. Yeah. I don't think we give her passing ability enough credit either. Mm, right. Like you, know. you talk about players who make everyone else better around you. Caitlin is able to do that. I couldn't tell you, and this is sad and I'm going to obviously like, this is my world. I couldn't tell you one other person on Iowa's full name. Oh, oh. Yeah. I could just I, tell you. I, I, seriously, though. No. no, I'm serious. But what I could tell you is she's made them better. What I could tell you is For the post sure. player who got drafted got drafted because Caitlin made her better. What oh, I could tell you, though, is I could list you four or five players on South Carolina, four or five players on LSU, four or five players on UConn because they're made of superstars. She's one superstar that created, like, a very good team in the tournament, which normally I feel like we don't see. It's a combination of multiple really good players that create okay. a nucleus. Yeah, and okay. I, so I feel like in that way, that's how that's also what makes her really different to me, is that you're bringing other people with you who aren't name-brand people. Like Aaliyah Boston had Zaya Cook, had Destiny Henderson. These other people, doing? yeah, yeah, we could go on and on, you know, about every other team. And but, they all got uh, torched. They all got torched. <laughs> a single player could guard this woman. And yeah. I, I mean, and shouts to Lisa Bluter, too. I feel like I, to give mm. your keys to you know, the kingdom to, to one player. And, and I mean, and, and very vocal about it. I mean, I'm sure yeah. you spoke to her as well, right, Ben? Oh, I did. And she told a great story. I mean, they recruited her for six years, right? And so they had Jan Jensen, one of their assistant coaches, who was from Iowa, hadn't gone to Iowa, but was from the state and had been an assistant coach for like 20 years in Iowa, was like the designated Kaylin recruiter. And they just stayed on her and on her and on her. And when she finally committed, uh, Lisa Bluter remembered the exact restaurant that she was at when she got the news and she remembered the exact wine that she drank to celebrate. So she was having a great time when they got her. And you're right. I mean, it, it worked out very well for Caitlin because she was able to come in and take the keys as a freshman and she was ready and she knew she was ready. And that was the tricky part because, um, you know, if there had been a starter in place and she's not going to go to a school where she has to sit on the bench for that first year, she wants to just get up and go. And she was putting up huge numbers immediately her freshman year and, and already one of the best players in the country, I think at that point, it's required a lot of trust and patience. You know, Kaylin is really fiery. And I think that's what Lisa Bluter is trying to do more than anything. She actually enrolled her um, in kind of a leadership course of emotional management to try to continue to like coax Caitlin into trying to be a positive leader towards her teammates. Ice, I completely agree with you. You could argue her passing is better than her scoring, which is crazy because she's the best scorer in the country. Um, you know, my dad liked to say, you know, she passes like magic. She shoots like Steph and she uh, she's got the killer instinct like Michael Jordan. It's like what a combo. Right. Um, but when she gets into the tiffs with the referees, when she gets upset and starts forcing shots a little bit earlier in his career, that rubs off on her teammates 
who aren't as composed, who aren't as skilled, who aren't as good as her. And what Lisa was saying is like, look, you have to lead every second on the court. You've got to keep yourself together to bring this team through. And I actually think we saw that a lot in um, the tournament. They got tested before they even got to the final four. And Caitlin was providing the answers over and over again. And uh, she was empowering her teammates. And I think that was really um, Lisa Bluter's vision, right? It was this Mm -hmm. idea of like, let's have our best player be someone who makes everybody around her better. If we can get to that stage, we're going to be really, really good. And I mean, it took them all the way to the title game. Yeah. So sick. I, all right. So, I mean, big question here is, I mean, it's poetic that they didn't win. I mean, depending on, you know, who you're a fan of, uh, most, one of the most incredible tournament runs averaging 30 a game had a 40 point triple double and you knock off the, like minus 300 favorite to win it all in a, in a round of 64 tournament, <laughs> you know, undefeated, hadn't lost in a calendar year, but then LSU just shoots the lights out and, and you lose at that final step. If she wins a national championship this year, I mean, I probably lean her leaving, but you know, say they don't, the odds are they, they probably won't win it this year. Um, do you think she comes back to Iowa for a fifth season um, and why? Well, I mean, she made it very clear to me that she wasn't going to make that decision for a while, but that it was on the table that she would come back for the fifth year. You know, you can think about the pros of doing that. She's a massive hero in Iowa. She could set every women's college basketball record ever by having five years of huge stats, right? Like she'd be the career leader in every single category that she would want. Um, You know, she could have two shots at a championship. Uh, you know, she could, obviously she's going to get her Jersey retired. They might even put a statue up, honestly. I mean, when you think about the importance of this career and, you know, she, she said to me, like, she's really happy in Iowa and, you know, she's a homebody. She's from that stage a couple hours away. She's, you know, her parents go to like practically every game. Her dad's driving to, you know, eight, 10 hours to away games. Um, the idea of, you know, hopping on commercial flights and not flying, you know, kind of charters like they do in college and being, you know, maybe thousands of miles from home, depending on where you get drafted, uh, that could be a little bit daunting. At the same time that we talked before that final four run and her goal was to make the final four. So I think there could become a moment where maybe she looks back and say, hey, I did everything I came here to do. Right. Like I multiple time All-American player of the year, went to the final four, went to the final game. Um, you know, it's time for the next chapter. So we'll have to see. But the other thing is she's really smart. You know, she's got, I think she told me, I forget offhand, so I don't want to say her GPA, but it's pretty darn close to 4.0. And, you know, you can see a situation if she takes a fifth year, maybe she comes out of it with a master's, you know? And so now she's got two degrees and she sets herself up for later in life. Um, She's also making a lot of money at Iowa. You know, her LLC (laughs) is doing pretty, pretty well. So uh, that could be another reason that, uh, you know, keeps her there. You know, it's going to be a decision that we we really can't forecast too much, I think, in the future. But uh, I do know it's, it's not like the NBA where guys are racing to get out of there. I think she's taking her time and enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it'll be like, LeBron decision 2.0, not as like the negative backlash, just the anticipation. Uh, yeah. At least for Iowa fans, well, for sure. Well, I, I, her dad, and this is another thing about the character of this family, and I haven't shared this before, but her dad actually texted me out of the blue, got my number from the Iowa people, and texted me out of the blue uh, the night before the championship game to say thanks for doing the story on her. And I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, that hardly ever happens for any sport, you know. But I thought it was just such a classy move by him. And, and I, I thanked him and I said, hey, you know, I, I might be back uh, in touch 
you know, when she's getting ready to make her decision about the WNBA. And then he just wrote back, oh, I understand. <laughs> so they know, they, they know what, you know, the kind of interest that they're going to be getting, um, you know, as she gets yeah. closer to that path. But um, I don't know if you guys have started to, to play the game of like, what's it look like if she plays for the Seattle Storm? Or what's yeah. it look like if, you know, if she goes to the, the Sparks? I mean, I, I, every, I'm sure the Minnesota Lynx one or the Indiana Fever, like there's a million different teams that you could kind of picture her on with, with different connections. Uh, you know, she grew up watching Maya Moore in, in Minnesota, and I think she had a pretty good time in Seattle when they got sent out there in the in the NCAA tournament. I heard a little buzz about that. You know, she happened to like that uh, city, that arena. So you can play all the games you want about which team she could uh, she could save, but uh, it's very similar to like Victor Wembanyama in the NBA. You know, every every team wanted him. He's going to be the guy who changes everything, and I think she's going to have that impact, whether it's you know 2024 or 2025. Well, my pipe dream is 2025 because uh, the Liberty, <laughs> I, I do live in New York, have Phoenix's pick and, you know, Vanderslit will be offered to your deal. That's that would be just the rich get richer. Um, <laughs> I mean, like like New York needs it. I know we don't, um, but I, I can't imagine the the writing if that would happen. But hopefully, hopefully we have new teams by then. You know, who knows? But, yeah. For sure. Uh, well, yeah. Who better to start up an expansion franchise, right? Like right. the ultimate uh, franchise player. I I'm not sure if we're running out of time or not, but I wanted to tell you guys one more Caitlin story if I could before we go. Definitely. Definitely. Absolutely. So it was sort of the lead of my uh, profile that I wrote about her, but I just think it's so telling of who she is as a person. Um, you know, when she's you know, about 10 years ago, not quite a teenager, she's playing basement basketball with her younger brother. And, you know, these games get physical, like they're playing for keeps. And she described always being the, the young lady tag along to all the boys in the neighborhood. So if they're riding bikes, she's riding bikes. If they're playing football on the street, she's playing football on the street. She kind of twisted her dad's arm so she could spray paint a three-point arc in her driveway so she could shoot three-pointers, uh, you know, on the basketball hoop that's kind of hung up above their uh, their garage door. But they're playing one of these intense, um, you know, basement uh, basketball games, and there's a loose ball. Caitlin puts her brother's head into the wall, basically cracks it open, uh, requires stitches. Her mom remembers that they had just put in new carpet. So her first thought was like, please don't bleed all over the carpet. Like, don't screw this up. Right. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're taking this poor kid to the emergency room, uh, you know, in, uh, urgent care or whatever, and getting him stitched up. And apparently to this day, the hair has not completely grown uh, back. It's sort of like his war wound. Uh, of playing against Caitlin, uh, you know, and it, he's, you could still see it basically all these years later. And, you know, she's telling me this story and, you know, my mouth is, is pretty open. It's like, this is, this is good. This is what writers love. This is gold, you know? And I was kind of waiting to see how she would frame it at the end, you know, no apology whatsoever, <laughs> right? No apology, no, no regrets. I don't want to say she was like bragging about it, but I think that she understands like within her family, it's like, look, I'm tough. We're all, everybody in this family is tough. You know, dad had played sports. All these different cousins in her family have been D1 athletes. It was this idea of, look, I'm going to give as good as I get. You're not going to bully me. I don't care if you're my brother. You know, I don't care. You know, I, I get picked on. And, and she had actually told me, you know, in, in some of her um, childhood experiences, you know, just spending time with her brothers and cousins she would get picked on to the point where she'd be in tears. She'd go home crying, you know, because they were they were so hard on her. 
But that kind of turned her in that tough alpha competitor who you see on the court, who's doing the you can't see me stuff, who's hitting that game winner against what Indiana, right? When she oh, she yeah. knocked in that uh, three pointer from the right wing. That's sort of where that person was forged. And it's this idea for her is like one of her most memorable childhood moments is putting her brother's head through a wall and no apologies. <laughs> and I think that's Caitlin Clark boiled down. And, you know, I love people who are just committed to their craft, who are competitors, who are just 100 percent all in and they want to be great. And that was the first impression I got from Caitlin. It's like, boy, you tell that story. You're, you're not messing around. Right. <laughs> you're dead serious. Dang, that's that's amazing. We're excited to see, you know, what she does next and hopefully get to see more of you covering her um, because it was an awesome story. Uh, I remember reading that and being like, Jesus Christ. Uh, But I mean, you get it. It's like, uh, I mean, like you said, the Michael Jordan killer instinct. She never afraid of the moment. But but Ben Oliver, everybody, you know, know where to find him. But thank you so much for hanging out with us and talking some hoops. And uh, maybe we'll get you back on. you know, come women's college time, if you're doing anything else special on Caitlin Clark or just want to talk the the wild rivalries we got brewing up, we got LSU, <laughs> we got UConn, we got so much stuff happening. So thanks a lot, Ben. Well, thanks for having me. I can't wait to see this season. It's going to be such a, a fun season. And the one thing about Caitlin Clark is she makes doing those mock drafts pretty easy, though, right? When you guys get around to doing that, it's like, you already know who's going to be number one. <laughs> well, I mean, it used to be, you know, I remember posing a question like uh, in one of those playback things. I was like, uh, is it is it Caitlin or Paige? And I, I remember jumping on the Caitlin bandwagon a little bit early because, you know, Paige was hurt. Uh, best abilities, availability. No offense to UConn fans. But now it's not even a question. Like, mm-hmm. no brainer. Um, two and three, sure. You know, like maybe Paige. Uh, maybe some other player. Cameron Brink if she decides to come. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, so good to know that, though. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. All right. Take care. Great to meet both of you. You too.